It's good to see you all here. It's good to be together. I just want to recognize that I wrote what I'm going to say to you before I read what Eric is going to share with us this morning. And I thought it was kind of amazing how it connects. After the last five days I've had, nobody knows why I woke up this morning singing, Praise God from whom all blessings flow. When I saw my clock showing 6.06. <laughs> That's the old hymnal version of the Mennonite National Anthem. Nobody knows why I started singing that. Saturday, you said goodbye to your classmate, Ezra. Sunday, I spent all day on the phone, literally all day, with someone I loved dearly who was in a very dark place. Monday, I was worried about that person when I couldn't be in touch for a couple hours. Then yesterday, in my other job at the motel in South Bend, I rode in the ambulance with the 22-year-old who was having a mental health crisis and held their hand for the next four hours. <laughs> Point is, it doesn't make logical sense to me to have a lot of joy right now. But it's there. Eric Freimartin is here today to talk about plugging into the goodness of the Creator, the source of my joy. You may use different language for your source, but I want you to hear, I want you to hear this. There is something here today for everybody. Everybody here. Maybe it's too much Jesus, maybe it's not enough Jesus. Boo freaking boo. <laughs> Listen past what you think you can't relate to. If you're here at Goshen, then you're in a position to tap into the goodness in this world and to pass some of that along. Even if the last thing you're trying to be is a missionary. So listen for what that goodness is for you today, no matter what you name it. There's something here for all of us if we're open to it. Please join me in a word of prayer. Creator God, you are doing a new thing. You tell us, behold, I am doing a new thing. We're going to hold you to that. We're looking for that today. So be here with us. Be with Eric. Be with each of us. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Roswell is going to lead us in a song this morning. Welcome, Ross. Thank you for those words, Pastor Kathleen. We're going to sing 206. Seek the 
peace of the city. And when she told me the title of this, I didn't know the song, but having lived most of my life in Chicago and New York City, and being very happy with where I am right now, I love the title of this song. I also love the text. Seek the peace of the city, and indeed, I feel at peace in the city. Seek the peace of your neighbor, of the exile, the stranger, and to continue the thread of what Pastor Kathy was just saying, I want to say that I have spent most of my life feeling like an outsider in religious communities, and I very much appreciate the context in which I can bring my full self. And the fourth verse, Seek the Peace of the Savior, is a verse that would make me feel less at home because it felt very loaded. And I just want to continue this thread and invite you to find your own way of relating to what that means. Who is the Savior for you? Who, how can you generate your own spirit within yourself? How can you see that in others? So I'd like to bring that frame to how we're going to see. Let's play it once through. Thank you very much, Beth. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
Our speaker this morning is Eric Fry Martin, who works with the Mennonite Mission Network in Elkhart. He started working there in February of 2020, and prior to that, served with his wife Kelly through the Mission Network in Colombia, South America, working with the Colombian Mennonite Church in the areas of youth ministry, leadership development, and theological and biblical education. And I will also mention that Eric is a graduate of AMBS, where Drew Strait, who we just heard a couple weeks ago, is a professor and where I also graduated. So, Eric, welcome. It's good uh, to be with you all this morning, um, gathered here. Uh, I was recalling this week that I was here two years ago um, during, I believe, the spring of 2020, and uh, spoke to, I think, seven people spread out here, and everything was on video. Um, And so it's good to be in a space like this again. I'll start off with... uh, a scripture from Jeremiah 29, uh, which reflects uh, the song we just sang. This is Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your own welfare. Before we get into unpacking uh, that scripture, uh, I have some more unpacking I would like to do. Uh, to start with. As was mentioned, I work for Mennonite Mission Network, and if I were in a situation in which someone wanted to talk to me about Christian mission, I would first have a lot of questions to really understand what it is exactly that we are talking about. It's no secret that throughout history, Christian mission has served as a backdrop or convenient reasoning or justification behind some significant acts of violence genocide, stealing of lands and cultures, racism, and colonialism. Maybe more recent in history and relevant to how we talk about Christian missions today is that at its worst still, it can carry the vestiges of this history with it and helps to perpetuate cultural colonialism, white supremacy, or a view of faith that centers a Western worldview. We must be honest about these things if we are going to actually engage in what it means to carry out mission in this world. We also have to recognize why the conversation itself is important and not just one that we can ignore. The truth is, is that if we are followers of God in this world, that we do indeed have a mission of sorts, of joining in the work of reconciliation, of justice-making, of peace-creating, of tapping into the good. And so if we are going to talk about about it in this way, we do indeed need to do the work of unloading our baggage. 
You'll notice uh, that our name is Mennonite Mission Network, not Mennonite Missions Network. This is because we're not necessarily interested in different missions around the world, while missions can often mean different projects or ministries, and certainly we are engaged in different projects. But ultimately, we are interested in the bigger picture that God is calling us to see, or the Missio Dei, as we call it. This overall work that God is doing to reconcile all things, to bring justice, to bring enoughness, to bring peace, these things that perhaps can be encompassed in the Hebrew word shalom. It is in this work, the kingdom-bringing work that Jesus outlines in the Gospels, the justice-creating work that causes us to stand in solidarity with the oppressed and brings good news to those who hear it. This is what we are concerned with, and this is what we mean when we talk about mission. As we think about what mission looks like today, I'm drawn to this passage in Jeremiah where we see God instructing the people to seek the peace of the city in which they have been carried. However, what we can notice when looking at the larger context of this passage is that the city in which they are in, the city in which the Israelite people have been carried, is not their own city. It is not in the promised land of Israel. It is not Jerusalem. It is rather the city in which these people have been captured and sent to after the empire of Babylon came and captured their lands and sent them away to live in the city of Babylon. Babylon, whose empire came and destroyed the Israelite cities, is now the city in which they are being asked to seek the welfare of. Here we see the prophet tell the people, for it's in the welfare of the city where you will find your own welfare. Now let's be clear. This is not a call call for the oppressed in this situation, the Israelites, to just step aside and be subservient towards their oppressors and do just what's good for them. No, because in this verse, the Hebrew word here is shalom, which I mentioned before, which is sort of like another word for peace, uh, except that it means much more than how we often use peace. When we say peace, we often mean a situation that doesn't have any conflict. But shalom means not only is there not conflict, but there is also justice present. There is also right relationships that are present. There is the presence of enoughness for everybody, for the whole community. So rather than this being a call to be obedient to the authorities, it is rather a call perhaps to recognize that we are all interconnected. That my well-being is connected to your well-being. That indeed my salvation and welfare are caught up with that of my neighbor and even my enemy. Perhaps this concept of interconnectedness we can see even better. Coming off two years of a pandemic when it's obvious how sickness spreads and we are dependent on one another to stay healthy. As we find ourselves in situations where the health of my neighbor directly affects my health, where my health directly affects that of my neighbor. Perhaps we also see this in the midst of division in our own society, in the midst of racism that has been exposed in our systems, 
Martin Luther King Jr. understood this concept of interconnectedness perhaps better than most. As he said, in a real sense, we are all caught up in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. This idea of interconnectedness or shalom or peace being holistic and reaching every part of our communities and existence, this idea that there is no us in them, there is only us, I believe is at the heart of God's message to the Israelites in the passage in Jeremiah. And I believe it is at the heart of God's message to us in this day and age. As we think about what mission looks like today, I believe we are being called to a renewed sense of mission that looks like shalom and recognition of the interconnectedness that the prophet Jeremiah is pointing out here in his message. And so the message of, that God is calling us is not just converting people to, the way, to, to our way of thinking, but seeking out relationships of solidarity so that we can stand together, recognizing that my well-being is caught up in the well-being of all. And the truth is, is that in some ways we are already so more connected than we've ever been. With internet and technology connecting us now more than ever, and so it also means that my actions and the way I live my life can have huge impact, not just on those around me, but that it can more easily ripple out. With constant movement in our society comes the reality that we will come into contact with more people than we used to. Even if we don't physically come into contact with more people, the systems that have been set up in our world can easily force our actions to have greater impact. Just as an example, the food grown here in the Midwest goes out to the far reaches of the world. The food grown in Ukraine, or currently not grown in Ukraine because of war, is already having devastating effects for countries like Eritrea and Africa who have depended on that food source. Therefore, the peace, the shalom we seek in the places in which we have been led are so important because we can recognize that the peace we sow in one place can have a huge impact for many more places and people in, the, in this world that we live in. Mission in the past has often meant sending or supporting missionaries who are going out to another place. And if done with the sense of solidarity and interconnectedness, this can still be important work as sending Workers out to these different communities is a recognition that we are already connected in various ways. And our workers at Mennonite Mission Network allow us to see and learn from our partners who are already engaged in the work that God is doing in their local contexts. And it allows us to grow from those experiences because the peace they are planting there will impact us too. This reality, though, in which we are all interconnected, perhaps gives us a new understanding of mission as well, in which we recognize that there is no opting out. It is not just the work of missionaries or service workers abroad to impact people in different places, but rather that all Christians everywhere are called to take up the mission that God has initiated in reconciling all things because indeed it is in the peace and welfare of our towns, our cities, our locations, our societies, our campuses, that we will find our own welfare and peace in such an interconnected world. And if we are not actively engaged in God's mission, 
then it is easier now more than ever for our lives and actions to be co-opted by the overwhelming systems and momentum of our society, which often chooses violence and division as solutions to our current problems. As was mentioned, uh, from 2017 to 2020, my, life, my wife and I lived in Colombia and South America. The history of Colombia is a case study on interconnectedness, particularly on how when shalom is not accomplished, how the ripple effects of oppression and violence can easily spread. This web of interconnectedness, including land rights, narco-trafficking, political ideology, guerrilla groups, paramilitary groups, government corruption, and much more, has created a situation in which, for much of its history, the country has been in the midst of civil war. Attempts at peace have been slow, often halting, starting off well, hitting roadblocks and setbacks. While we were there, adding to this web of interconnectedness was the influx of over two million Venezuelan refugees who fled their own country for myriad of reasons that are their own web of connections. In January of 2019, my wife and I were with a group of people visiting a community on the northern coast of Colombia, where a Mennonite church there was welcoming Venezuelan refugees and providing shelter and meals. However, while we were there, a bomb was set off in, at a police training school in the capital city of Bogota, which is where we lived. This bomb killed 11 people and injured hundreds, but it was also significant because it represented an act of terrorism that had been more commonplace before the latest attempt at peace, a government treaty with the FARC, or the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, their largest guerrilla group. Another roadblock to peace was being experienced. And so as we were at this, on the city on the coast in Rio Acha, visiting this church, after this bombing, the whole country had sort of a prayer remembrance uh, service. And so at the center of each city in Colombia, there's often a plaza with a Catholic church. And in these plazas, there was a service held to pray for peace and remember those who died and to stay committed to the movement of peace. So we went with a group from the church to this service in the plaza. The church, since it serves refugees from Venezuela, was made up mostly of Venezuelans, and so our group included many Venezuelans. After a short prayer service, hundreds of people gathered in the town plaza where there was a dove painted on the ground. We were all given candles to light and then directed to place them on the outline of the peace dove. And it was this beautiful attempt to renew the commitment to peace, even in the face of this violent bombing. However, with the town being on the coast, there's almost always a good breeze coming off the ocean. And so as the candles got placed on the ground, very quickly most of them got blown out. And it seemed at first we would just be content with our effort to make this happen. But that we would ultimately give in to the reality that the ocean wind was, not just, was just not going to let this happen. However, a young boy from our group, a Venezuelan refugee of probably seven or eight, decided to try and start lighting the candles again from the few that were still lit. 
Soon his dad joined him, and then other kids started joining in. These Venezuelans who, had, who have probably little connection to the history of violence in Colombia, but they know their own struggles. They know what it means to be displaced, to have their efforts at peace and stability wiped out by violent winds of powerful and dominant systems, who probably recognize that the welfare of the city where they're at is connected to their own welfare. They were the ones to step up in an act of resistance to say, we will not let this beautiful thing die too, not just yet. Soon many more were participating in this back and forth with the wind. Most of the candles would be lit and then the breeze would come and blow most of them out and we would all start again. And soon it became like a game and people joined in the struggle that became more manageable and even enjoyable. Perhaps like the Israelites who had been exiled to Babylon, this boy and his family had been exiled to a different land as well. With no power at all, just the persistent faith that there is more beauty to be found in this world, there is more love to be shared, there is joy even in the midst of sorrow. That we are caught up together in this thing called life, and that there is no us in them, there is only us. This boy stood witness to God's call to seek shalom, to seek the shalom of the place in which he had been carried, and to stand in solidarity with his neighbors, and chose in his way to tap into the goodness and spread God's light and love in that place. This world has a lot of problems, and I will be the first one to say that sometimes it feels pretty overwhelming and that I'm often the one willing to let the candles go out and say that it's just our reality, that the winds will blow out the attempts at shalom. However, perhaps if I light my candle and join in the mission of God in the place where I am at, and you light your candle and join as well, then perhaps the darkness will not be so overwhelming. Perhaps we will see, as the psalmist says, even if I make my, my bed in the depths, God is still there, for darkness is as light to you. And as we join together, perhaps the work becomes even enjoyable as we journey together. May each of us have the eyes to see what God is doing in our midst. May we have the courage to join in, to tap into this goodness. As you are in the place where God has carried you today, may you look around and see how God is working and join in that work to seek the shalom of the place where you are or the place where God is calling. As you do this, do this with, with hope, for Jesus has called us to hope. As you do it, do it with joy, for surely there is joy to be found in the journey. And as you do it, do it in peace, knowing that you cannot go where God is not. At Mennonite Mission Network, we have opportunities to join in the mission of God, which calls us into relationships of solidarity with others in this interconnected world. Our Mennonite Voluntary Service Program is a great option for people about to graduate to spend a year giving of your time to a nonprofit organization, living in community, and connecting with, with your faith in the local congregation. 
We have units throughout the U.S. and Puerto Rico. And uh, I'll be set up uh, with a table during lunch if you'd like to talk more about this option or other options, including international work or other programs. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here, and blessings to you. The hymn that Pastor Kathy chose to close today is 834, Tumamina. And I think it's a beautiful metaphor for a theme of interconnectedness and moving forth with joy, moving forth together. The first phrase is in Zulu, which is one of seven official languages recognized by the government in South Africa. And I think it's significant in thinking about interconnectedness that a song from South Africa has made its way into a Mennonite hymnal in the United States. And I want to honor the roots of that tradition and the creators of this song. Part of the story of this song is also that it is political. And I think that ties in with what Eric was also discussing. The scenario you were talking about is one in which in South Africa, there's a culture where people easily respond with song. And singing is a way to claim your humanity. Singing is a way to express shared cares. Singing is a way to generate energy, to fight for both personal and shared concerns, for human rights. So I'd like to hold that while we sing this song and hold the creators of that tradition. And Tumamina means send me, Lord. So mantla is the last word that means strength. So I'd like us to learn it a little bit in the spirit of what Scott has been doing in recent convocations. Let's explore how we can sing robustly. We're not in sections. And so I'm going to invite you to pick the part that resonates with you the most, the top, the next one, and so on. Um, and I'm so grateful that Bongiwe Mkube is going to be the leader. What we're going to do is sing the bass part first, twice through, on the words, Tumamina Somantla. Then if you want to keep singing the bass part, continue doing that we'll add the tenor part, the next one up. Do that twice. We'll continue and add the alto part. We'll continue and add the soprano part, taking the repeat each time, and then all of that on Zulu, in Zulu. Then Bongiwe will initiate us, will begin, and we will sing the hymn th straight through as written. 
and we'll sing Tumamina one more time at the end. So, let's sit tall, let's take a big breath, say Tumamina. Tuma. You have more than that. Tumamina. Tuma. Somantla. Soma. More from here. Somantla. Everybody, give me, um, send me, Lord, strength. Say that. Send me, Lord, strength. Tuma mina. Tuma mina. Somantla. Somantla. Beth is going to play first the bass part. Let's all sing that. You can listen to it the first time and then sing through the second time, or you can just boldly jump in. Um, what's a B? Tu. Here we go. Bass part first. Everyone singing the bass. Tu and tu mamina, tu mamina, tu mamina, somlanda. One more time. Tu mamina, tu mamina, tu mamina, somlanda. Hold on. Do that again louder. That's the only time this is, your, this is your chance. Louder. Pick a note that sounds good, and if it doesn't sound good, pick a different note. <laughs> tu and. Tu mamina, tu mamina, tu mamina, somlanda. One more time. Tu mamina, tu mamina. To Mamina Somlan at the tenor and to Mamina to Mamina to Mamina Somlan one more time tenor to Mamina to Mamina to Mamina Som. All right, let's hear it, altos. And to Mamina, to Mamina, to Mamina Somlanda, to Mamina, to Mamina, to Mamina Somlanda. Add the soprano. To Mamina, to Mamina, to Mamina, to Mamina, to Mamina, Send me, Lord. Lead me, Lord.
Now may the peace of Christ go with us all. Go now in peace, and you're welcome to join Eric at the West Lawn Dining Hall for more information and conversation. Thank you. <laughs>